Well, good morning, church. It is good to be with you. My name is Ethan, one of the ministers here, and you're in the right place today. If you're a guest with us, we are so glad you're here. We're in the middle of a series called Pile Up Rocks. And in this series, we've been discovering from God's Word uh, disciplines and habits and practices that God's people have had for centuries that help us to organize our lives around God's goodness, God's providence, God's wisdom, God's will for us. Uh, so far, we've talked about rocks, right? Remember two weeks ago, we all got a rock. What's the name of your rock? Ebenezer, which means a helpful rock because it reminds us that we've made it this far by the grace of God. With, so far, I have come with God's help. And I, I got a couple more Ebenezer pictures this last week. So I know you're doing it. You're keeping your rock. I, somebody sent me a picture of some rocks they'd put in their garden. Each one a memory of a time that God had rescued them and redeemed their life. And so maybe you're remembering the faithfulness of God in that way. Last week we talked about words of blessing. How we can speak the goodness and truth of God into other people's lives if we will just choose to communicate blessing. And today, we are going to face our most difficult challenge yet. For some of you, what we're going to talk about today is going to feel almost impossible. And yet, this practice that we're sharing today is one of the most ancient of the practices taught by Scripture. It's practiced by God's people throughout God's Word, before Jesus, after Jesus. Moses commanded it. Jesus affirmed it. It's a practice that reminds us that God is the Creator. And God is the sustainer and God is the provider. It's a, it's a practice that when, when you do it, you're sort of declaring that God is creator and God is sustainer and God is provider. It's a discipline that, that kind of, it forces you to sort of demonstrate with your life that you choose to trust God's provision. It's a discipline that I am terrible at. We're talking today about rest, keeping Sabbath, taking a moment away from the work and the toil and the anxiety. Some of you are, are great at this. Like, I know, some of you, I say we're preaching on rest today, and you just thought, awesome. Like, I'm awesome at that. And, like, and go you. Like, way to go. But some of you are not good at this. In fact, some of you are downright awful at it. Uh, some of you, some of you have this idea in your head. Some of you have this idea. You think you don't deserve to rest. Maybe somebody in your childhood, some, somebody who mattered to you, told you your whole life you had to work harder, earn more to prove yourself. And you actually think you're not allowed to rest because you need to do more to prove something. Some of you won't rest because you're too important to rest. Do you know how the world would collapse if you turned off your cell phone for 12 hours? Oh my goodness, the whole place would burn down, right? You've got to answer every phone call and answer every email and never take a minute off because, oh my goodness, the whole place would just, just fall apart without you. 
right? You're just so important, you can't rest. Some of you have this thing. You won't let yourself rest until all the work is done, right? Like if all the work was done, then you could rest. And now, now, now some expressions of this aren't a problem. My wife does this weird thing. She can't rest if there are dirty dishes in the sink. Like if they're dirty, like she cannot rest till the dishes are clean. And that's weird, obviously, uh, but it's not pathological, right? Because there are, in fact, a finite amount of dishes. And so you could theoretically go wash the dishes and then rest. In fact, that's the way she suggests we both should live. Again, seems a little crazy to me, but that's her theory. But, but some of you have gone past dishes. Some of you think you can't rest until it's all done. Until all the dishes in every house in the world are clean and all the things are done. And you've got a list of all the things. And unless all the things are all done, you can't rest. And that's a problem. Because all the things are never done. Right? It's not like a sink full of dishes. You can wash a sink full of dishes, but you can't get all the things done. And so you won't rest. But Sabbath and rest is one of the ways we declare, it's one of the ways we announce that God is creator, God is sustainer, God is provider. This may be why, that we are actually commanded by the Bible to rest. And some of you are thinking, aren't we also commanded to work? Yes, we are, but that's not what this sermon is about. We are commanded by the Bible to rest. And maybe you're thinking to yourself, oh sure, there's some obscure adverse somewhere, you know, the, the 215th Psalm, the 12th verse commands us to rest. No, it's in the Ten Commandments. It's actually number four. Like it's commandment number four. Like you wouldn't even have to learn all the Ten Commandments to know that we're commanded to rest. Here it is in Exodus. Remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in it, and then rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and keep it, to keep it holy. So when we... When we dedicate time to resting, we are declaring God is the creator. God is the one who made all things, not us. The world does not rest on our effort, but on God's power. Some of you have trouble believing that. The world does not rest on your, if, if you stop spinning the plates, the plates still spin. God is the one on whose authority and power the world rests. In Deuteronomy, the other place we have the Ten Commandments, it's just a little bit different. It starts out the same way. Observe the Sabbath day, keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days shall you labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates so that your male and female servant may rest as well as you. This is very different than the cultures around them. In the cultures around them, rich people rested. 
But not the servants. The servants worked all day long, every day. But God says, no, not so with you. Everybody rests. There's a justice element to Sabbath. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Resting not only remembers that God is creator, but it remembers that God is the provider. They didn't rescue themselves from Egypt. God did it. And when we rest today, we're remembering that God does it. It's God's strength on which it all depends. In fact, remembering to keep Sabbath will help you unlock the paradox of the Christian approach to work. Uh, Some people think work is bad and we should avoid work at all costs, but not not the Bible, not Christians. We think work is good. Work is a blessing given to us by God so that we can be productive and fruitful with our lives. And even though at the same time we declare our work is good, we know that the real work is is done by God. The real author and provider for our life is God. Psalm 127 puts it this way. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord is the one doing the work, your work is for nothing. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen lie awake in vain. It's in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. One of the gifts of God is rest, knowing that as important as our work is, the most essential work is the work God does. And when we decide to rest, when we enter into God's rest, we experience that reality that our labor depends on God's. And ultimately, it is God's work, not ours, that really gets the job done. Uh, So today, I just want to give you some really straightforward, simple advice about how you can begin to introduce rest and Sabbath keeping into your lives. And we're talking about rest from all the work that you kind of have to get done. For many of us, this will be our economic labor. We're talking about our jobs, right? We're talking about that. But it's more than just your job. It's all the work that you've decided, I have to get all this work done. And God says, from all that work, rest. Okay, here's a a piece of advice, number one. Ready? Keep the Sabbath, but not legalistically. That's my first piece of advice to you. Just actually decide you are going to develop a rhythm of rest. But you're not going to be legalistic about it. Uh, Jesus, even to those under the law, which we are not under the law, but even when they were under the law, Jesus says, don't keep the Sabbath legalistically. We have several of these encounters. One of them, Matthew chapter 12, verse 9. Jesus entered the synagogue. A man was there with a withered hand. He, they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So yes, it's lawful to do good on a Sabbath. You know, if you're a shepherd, yes, obviously, getting a sheep out of a pit is a lot like work. But you still do it. If you find a sheep in a pit, you're going to help the sheep. 
He says to the man, stretch out your hand. The man stretched it out. It was restored, healthy like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him about how to destroy him. So that'd be my first piece of advice to you. Keep a Sabbath, but don't be legalistic about it. Don't be legalistic with yourself. If you have a Sabbath rhythm and then one week it gets interrupted because a sheep falls into a pit and you've got to deal with it, just go deal with it. Don't beat yourself up. Don't be legalistic about it. But also don't be legalistic with other people. I know people who have a Sabbath rhythm and they're all the time scolding other people because their Sabbath rhythm isn't good enough. Like what, you rest in the love of God wrong? Like really, that's your deal? You're gonna go harassing other people because they rest in the love of God incorrectly. Like you get how weird that is to become a legalist about Sabbath keeping, right? Like that's crazy town. So just don't do that, you know, don't do that. But just because we are not under the law of Sabbath keeping and can't be legalistic about Sabbath keeping, I also want to warn you, don't ignore Sabbath keeping. Because even though we are not under the law, we still get to receive the blessing that comes from having a rhythm of rest. I love this encounter. Another one of these encounters over the legalism issue. Mark chapter 2, one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields. As his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said, look, what are they doing? What is unlawful on the Sabbath? I always wonder about this story. What were, the, were the Pharisees like hiding in the bushes, just waiting for Jesus' disciples to do something stupid? It's such a weird, anyways, whatever. He answered, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need. In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which was unlawful, which was lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some of it to his companions. And then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for people, not people for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord over the Sabbath. And I love what Jesus does here. He says, no, 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 no. Don't worry about the legalism of the Sabbath. But also don't forget that this was made for you. This is a gift for you. God's instruction to rest is a gift to you. So that's advice number one. Keep a Sabbath. Rest. But don't do it legalistically. If a sheep falls in a pit. And sometimes sheep fall in pits. You know, it just happens, right? You know, you plan the day off and something does happen at work or in some task. And you, it is it's a sheep in a pit situation. And you're like, man, I was planning to keep Sabbath, but I got to go get the sheep out of the pit. Yeah, that happens. So don't be legalistic about it. But if that's happening every time you try to take a Sabbath, well, you need to do something about your pit situation, okay? So that you can actually rest before God on occasion. Okay, advice number one, keep a Sabbath, don't be legalistic. Advice number two, declare a Sabbath as an act of resistance against pride and self-sufficiency. Pride says, I am too important to take a day off. The world would fall apart without me. Self-sufficiency says, I depend on myself. I provide for myself. And so I can't take a day off because I've got to go out and earn that dollar and get that work done and prove that I'm a worthwhile purpose person. And both that pride and that self-sufficiency, those are spiritual lies. And so declare a Sabbath to say, nope, I'm actually not too important to take the day off. And nope, I don't depend on myself. I depend on God. And so declare a Sabbath. Um, I, I had a buddy who uh, challenged me. Uh, he was a pastor I worked with. He'd been a missionary in Brazil for a long time. 
he challenged me. He said, for many of us, the, the place we need to learn how to declare our rest in God is in our daily rhythm. Because some of us, we wake up early and start working. We do like a, do a breakfast meeting before work. Then we go to work and we work all day. And then after work, we go home and check email all night. And we just, we, we never stop working until we collapse into bed. And then finally we stop working. And he said, we need to declare Sabbath. And so he had this thing he did. Um, you know those days where you wake up with a to-do list and by the end of your work day, your to-do list is twice as long? You have those days, right? There's more work to do at the end of the day than at the beginning of the day, right? And he had a practice he did on those days to make sure he still rested. At the end of the day, as he was leaving work, he would just look up to the heavens and pray this prayer. All right, God, if you want anything more done today, you're going to have to do it yourself. Because I'm going to rest. Now, was he a legalist about it? No, of course not. If on his way out the door, a sheep fell in a pit, he'd go back to work till the sheep was out of the pit. You know, that happened. There are those days. But he knew he had to make a decision. He had to declare a Sabbath as an act of defiance against his own pride to say, I am going to rest. And I will just confess, um, I, don't, I don't live life with a ton of regrets. I've made my share of mistakes, but you know, you, you try and learn from them. But I, I will say, I spent far too many nights hard at work on some project while my kids were down the hall growing up. I spent too many nights like that. Answering an email, writing one more message, taking one more phone call. Well, my kids were busy down the hall getting older. And I will just tell you... Um, you know, that's a mistake I, I can't get back. And I could fill this stage with people my age whose kids are out of the house who would say to every young parent, declare a Sabbath. Declare, I'm going to, God, you'll have to finish what needs to get done. I am going to rest and engage with my family and engage with my world here that you have given me. Every day, Declare a Sabbath. Don't you work from the moment you breathe to the moment you fall in bed. Say, I'm, I'm, I, I, at this point, I start to rest. Every week, declare a Sabbath. Uh, you know, uh, the Jewish people did it from sundown to sundown, Friday to Saturday. That's how they did it. Maybe yours will be different. Don't get legalistic about it. Don't be judging somebody. Else, but find a time. In this moment, I rest from all my labors, just as God did, so that I might commune with God and worship God. Every year, declare a Sabbath, find some time, and just say, in this season, for these three days, for these five days, we're going to take a break and breathe. You don't have to spend a lot of money. You don't have to go to Disney World. Just sit. Just find a chair and just say, I am going to declare a Sabbath. And, and, and if, you're, if, you're, if you want to say to me, Ethan, you don't understand. I have too much to do. I, I'm under attack. There's so many things. I want to tell you a story. Uh, there was this one time when God's people, um, they were being chased by the Egyptian army. And this was a serious problem that had to be dealt with. And so they went to Moses and they said, Moses, what are we going to do? The Egyptians are coming. And here's what Moses said. Do not be afraid. Stand still 
and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. I just wonder how many of you right now feel like you're being chased by a bunch of Egyptians. And you're just figuring out, how do I, how do I, how do I defend myself? How do I get away? And maybe God would just say, just, just stand still. Just stand still so you're not distracted long enough to see the deliverance the Lord will bring you. To see God do the work that you can't get done. Unless God does the work, your work's a waste of time anyway. Would you just sit still long enough to see God accomplish what you cannot? I remember early in my ministry, I was... Uh, working on a project. We were stuck on something with, uh, with the guy I worked for, the minister of the church. One of the hardest men, just, just remembering this guy makes me tired. This guy's such a crazy hard worker. This guy can outwork anybody I've ever met. Crazy hard worker. We were working on this project. We worked on it all week. We worked long days. We weren't making any progress, so we worked through the weekend because sometimes a sheep falls in a pit, and that's what we thought had happened. We thought a sheep had fallen in a pit, so yeah, sometimes you got to work. You do. We're not going to be legalists about this. We didn't make much progress. We worked all through the next week. We still weren't making much progress. It was Friday afternoon. I remember sitting in his office. I'm like, what are we going to do? We've got to get this done, and it's not getting done, and we're working so hard, and we're not making progress. What are we going to do? I remember he leaned back. He took a big breath, and he said, well, I don't know what you're going to do, but I'm going to go play volleyball, and then I'm going to go eat dinner with my family. I'm definitely not working tomorrow, so don't call me tomorrow. We'll figure out what to do next on Monday. And it was like four in the afternoon on Friday, and he just got up, and he walked out the door. Because sometimes a sheep fell in a pit, and sometimes you need to be still and let God do the work God's going to do. And, and I'm just wondering, you know, what is it that's preventing you from declaring a Sabbath in the places where you need to declare a Sabbath, right? You know, for a lot of us, it's the cell phone. Let me tell you, the cell phone is the enemy of the Sabbath. After first service, one of my coworkers here on staff teased me. They said, oh, Ethan, don't you know it? We love it when you go on vacation. I said, oh, really? Oh, that means, you know, why do you like it so much when I go on vacation? I said, oh, because that's the easiest time to get you to answer an email. Because you don't have meetings. And so if we email you when you're on vacation, you write us right back. Or if we call while you're on vacation because we got a problem. Oh, you always take the phone call. And you... I was being mocked. That's what was happening. I was, they were, but they're right. I answer more emails on vacation than off. That's a problem. I answer more phone calls on vacation than off. That's a problem. Is your, has your cell phone become the enemy of your Sabbath because you can work all the time, so you do work all the time? For some of us, greed is the enemy of Sabbath, right? If we work harder, we make more money. Some of you are in an industry like that. You know, more hours you work, the more time you work, the new gig economy, right? You can, you can work a 40-hour work week and then pick, out some, pick up some Uber shifts on the side, right? And you just work all the time. There's always more money to be made. Maybe it's your Messiah complex that is the enemy of your Sabbath. You're like, you don't understand, Ethan. I'm really super important. If I didn't work for 24 hours, like bad things would happen. 
Are you, though? Like, I don't know. I mean, God took a day off. Like, if he could pull off a Sabbath, I bet you could, too, you know? You don't understand, Ethan. Every time I can take a Sabbath, the sheep start falling into pits, and I have to go correct it. And all I'm saying is if that happens sometimes, that makes sense. Jesus apparently says we should expect that. Sometimes when we try to take a Sabbath, a sheep will fall in a pit, and our Sabbath will get ruined. But if that happens every time you take a Sabbath, like maybe you need to teach somebody else how to get a sheep out of a pit so you can take a break, you know? Declare a Sabbath as an act of resistance against your own pride and self-sufficiency. Last thing, I want to challenge you to receive a Sabbath as a gift from God. Especially if, if the reason you won't take a Sabbath is you don't think you earned it. And I know some of us are stuck there. Some of us, some, you just decided, I don't get to rest. I'm not allowed to rest. I don't deserve to rest. I need to work, to prove, to accomplish. If that's where you are, I want you to just receive a Sabbath as a gift from God. That you're allowed to just take 20 minutes and sit in the middle of the day and just receive God's goodness and trust that the real work that has to get done that day is the work God's going to do, not you. You're allowed to take an afternoon on a Sunday and just, just sit, you know. Your lawn will still need to be mowed tomorrow. Or for some of you, you love mowing. That, that's what would be your Sabbath is to just spend an afternoon mowing the lawn. More power to you. I'll give you my address after church. That'd be great. That'd be awesome. Receive it as a gift. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11. He says, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Some of you think if you show up to Jesus today, he's going to give you a list of 20 more things you've got to do to prove that you're good enough or earn or accomplish. He says, no, I'm going to give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you are living your life without any rhythm of healthy rest every day, every week, every year, a rhythm of healthy rest, then you're probably living under a yoke that is not the yoke of Christ. Because Jesus says if you, if, you let him, if you let him be your master, you will experience rest. Rest for your souls. Rest for your lives. This is my challenge to you. Every day, at some point before you collapse into bed, stop working. And trust God. And I pr the discipline of rest will declare your trust in God. The work God needs you to do will be waiting for you tomorrow. I don't mean this legalistically. Obviously, if a sheep falls in a pit and you've got to pull an all-nighter to get the job done every once in a while, okay, work. Work's good too. But if you're saying that's your life every night, again, I think you're making up sheep and making up pits. Because God says rest. That's challenge one, every day. Challenge two, every week. Carve out a chunk of time. Aim for a day, but start with four hours if you have to, 
when you are going to live, you're going to posture your life trusting that the most important work that needs to be done in your life is the work God's going to do, not you. Unless the Lord builds a house, you labor in vain. Find a hobby, a game, a sport, something that kind of carves out time, carves out unproductive time that you offer as word. Lately, I've been doing, I've been uh, practicing the guitar and, uh, and singing songs. And if you've ever heard me play the guitar or sing a song, you know that is unproductive time, okay? That is not useful time. I am not preparing my album. Nashville is not about to call, okay? This is a waste of time, but it's a godly waste of time. It's a godly waste of time because in it I am resting from my labor and I am trusting that the actual work I need to do, God's got. And I can rest. Maybe for you it'll be worshiping or hanging out with friends or reading your Bible. I want to challenge you to plan ahead what you need to do to make Sabbath possible. Have you built a rhythm where the people around you are constantly calling you? Sheep are falling into pits all around you so that you never can rest? Well, then just tell them, hey, this Friday afternoon, I'm, I'm not going to answer my phone from, from 1 o'clock to 4 o'clock. Just try it. Just try going three hours. And then try four and then try five. Aim for a whole day when you are resting, you know. In fact, maybe, maybe as we close right now, before I pray for us, maybe we could just try to, to enter that posture of rest. I want you to hear again from God's word a Sabbath invitation, okay? So I'm going to sit down like you are and take a second, take some big deep breaths. Let your heart rate slow down a little bit. Let your muscles relax a little bit. Let's be reminded, let's be reminded of, of, the, of the providence of God from Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It's in vain that you get up so early and go to bed so late, eating the bread of anxious toil. For he gives to his beloved rest. Okay, okay, so if that's true, if it's God's work and not ours that is the real foundation of our lives, maybe you could, could listen to this command from Moses. Do not be afraid. Stand still. And you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, whatever it is you're afraid of and you feel like means I'm not allowed to rest because of this or that. And I just can't rest. Whatever that is, you'll never see it again. The Lord will fight for you. You just need to stand still. Could you do that with me right now? Maybe this afternoon you're just going to stand still and trust that God's got it. You could just list every problem, every project you're working on that you just can't put down and you've got to work and just for everyone you just say, God, I'm going to stand still 
and let you fight for me. God, I'm going to stand still and let you fight for me. Don't worry. If there's work for you to do, God will give it to you. And then maybe you would, just, just one more thing, you would just listen to the invitation of Jesus. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Oh God, we come to you in prayer because we want, we want this experience of rest that you have for us. We want a little bit every day. We want a little bit every week. We want to get a bunch of it every year. God, I pray for some people out here who, who believe the lie that they don't get to rest because they haven't done enough. Maybe they would hear the truth that you want to give them a Sabbath rest, not because of what they've done, but because of what you've done. I pray for some people out here who think they're too important to rest, too busy to rest. If only I knew all the sheep and all the pits that they had to get out. God, I just pray that they would declare a Sabbath as an act of humility, saying they depend on you and not themselves. pray for some who think they can't rest because they haven't earned your love yet. Oh God, would you just let them know that they don't earn your love. They receive your love. You already love them and, and, and you're inviting them to rest. I pray for some people to learn how to put down their cell phone, close their laptop, Walk away from the constant invitation to produce more and accomplish more and help them hear the invitation to be more and to love more and receive more. I pray for me, God, because I'm not very good at this either. And I really want to rest in you. I really want to rest, God, and trust and believe that you are sufficient for me. Please hear our prayer. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.